Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Sometimes that's all you got, amen? Sometimes you go through seasons of life where all you feel like you can give to a king who has done it all is just to simply say, hallelujah. Praise God. I don't have anything worthy to bring to a king of all kings, Lord of all lords, except for a hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, Father, use this time right now as we give you all the glory, all the praise, all the honor. It is for you that we gather. It is for you that we come together, the assembly of called out believers. We come before you today oh, just to hear from you. Humble hearts crying out, hallelujah. Holy Spirit, have your way. Fill this room. Guide us. Oh, guide us. Have your way. It's in your name that all God's people say. Amen. You may take your seats. The warriors that stood, that stayed standing. I see you. My name's John. I have the privilege to be a pastor here, and I have the incredible honor to lead this beautiful ministry. Uh, I'd love to say hi. If we haven't uh, met, uh, I'll be out in the hallway. Just, man, just come up and say hey. I'd love to say hey if we haven't met yet. Uh, I, uh, man, I am in one of those seasons where sometimes just a simple word like hallelujah is enough. Right? You ever, like, like you just get to that place where, man, actually all I got is a hallelujah. So hallelujah. Praise God. Right? Uh, we're in this whole, like, uh, year, a year-long conversation. <laughs> Sometimes if you're in a, in, a, in a committed relationship with somebody and it just feels like you never finish a conversation, you just pick up where you left off. <laughs> it's, I didn't say it was bad. Some of y'all looked at your, like, significant other, like, with some stank face. Like, it's, I didn't say it was bad. It's just, it just is an ongoing conversation. We're having an ongoing conversation with Jesus this year. Just having conversations about who he is and what's he all about and what, what, what's that, you know, like mean for us and what's he require of us. And right now we're just saying, hey, Jesus, um, he's worth it all. Amen? Like he, he's worth it all. Uh, he's worth it. Jesus is worth it. Uh, I do want to say, like, shameless plug, and I'm getting no money for this, um, but uh, my family went to go see a movie last night, and it is worth it to check it out. Go see Jesus Revolution, okay? Go check it out. It is worth it to check this out. Uh, all Whatever your age and stage and background and you're a, you're a diehard this or diehard that, man, go see it. And I believe the spirit is on it, and it will uh, – I'll just say my whole family went, um, and, like, we, we just all were crying at different points. I'll just – Say that. And not because I'm just overly emotional. There was something powerful in it. Do you all see it? Today. All right. I'm not going to give anything away. I'm not going to give anything away. Uh, it's based on a true story, which is really cool. Uh, it has, like, roots that, all the, that hit all the way to uh, Cincinnati, uh, if anybody is familiar with the vineyard movement. Like, it, it's, it's really cool. So uh, check it out. Uh, it is worth seeing. Jesus is worth hanging out with. Jesus is worth, right? Praise God. He is worth 
Everything. Now that, that is at the point, the, the, the whole conversation, like Jesus is worth giving everything to. He's, he's worth all of our praise. He's worth all of our devotion. Amen, right? He, he actually instructs us, right, to live in, in such a way, right? Like Mark 12, 30, you should know this by heart right now, right? That, that he says, hey, I want you to love the Lord your God with all of your Right? And then he says, hey, a second commandment is equally important. You should. And then no other commandment is greater than these. Right? Jesus invites us to love God with everything we got and equally to love your neighbors with everything you got. It's this invitation to to live a radically generous way of life with everything we have because Jesus gave everything he had. Right? John 3, 16, 17, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him, it wouldn't perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. Jesus gave everything. Not part. He gave everything. And he lived and he loved with such a profound sense of just this generosity of self. And the early disciples, those friends of his, those first ragtag group of people that said, I'm going to follow Jesus, they saw Jesus and they saw the way he lived. They saw this way of living generously with everything. I'm not just talking about a single area of generosity, a whole life. And they saw this, and, and, and when Jesus said, hey, I'm leaving you now, I'm ascending to heaven, I'm going to give you the gift of the Holy Spirit, and I want you to send and spread this message, you know, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, right? Send this message out, speak this out, live this out, right? And so they form what we call like biblical community. And we see that in Acts 2.42, right? So having seen Jesus and how he lived, they then form a community. And it says all the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They devoted themselves to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. They devoted themselves to prayer. And a deep sense of awe just came over them. And the apostles performed, not Jesus. The next generation, right? Because Jesus' words, earlier he says like, hey, even greater things will you do. Because I'm giving you the gift of the Spirit. Here we have that. They performed, the next generation after him performed these miracles and signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. And they sold their property and possessions and they shared the money with those in need. And they they worshiped together at the temple every day. And and they met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And all the while they were praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I was... I was talking to some friends this past week about this verse, about how radical this way of living would be in 2023, right? How radical it would be. Well, that that, that would look like a commune, (laughs) 
right? That, that'd be radical. Well, maybe let's not jump to the commune. But man, in 2023, there's actually got to be a way to actually reflect this, that this way of living wasn't just for them, first century followers of Jesus, that it was for us. I believe the, the word of God is living and active for right now. Like, what, what would it actually, think about it, what would it actually look like, right? If they gathered together and they gave all they had to care for those in need. Man, some of you guys are, are just in, incredible. You are setting the pace. I watch you. I'm not just talking about money. Like, I watch you and how you live your life. You, you choose not to buy new clothes. You choose to say, I have enough. You choose to say, I've set my enough and everything beyond enough. I'm giving it away to care for those in need. I just say thank you for leading the way. Thank you for modeling this. You are, you are giving me a target to chase after. Thank you. Like, and, and you're here. It's, it's not like, oh, man, nobody's doing that. No, I see you. But who cares that I see you? God sees you. Like, man, some of you, you do this in your finances, and you're a part of our giving community. And so I just say thank you that you're a part of the giving community. Thank you that you believe in what God is doing through this ministry, and so you invest into this ministry. Thank you for that. Kelly and I choose to invest here because we believe God is at work and there is life transformation, and there are signs and wonders that he is doing something new. And it's beautiful. Amen. Amen. But what if we pushed a little bit? What if we pushed a little bit and, and, and said, hey, what would it look like in 2023? Like if we sold all our property and possessions and we shared the money with those in need. Some of y'all are like, are you asking me to sell my house right now? Like, I don't know. What's Jesus saying to you? <laughs> what would that look like? Think about it this way. Imagine the testimony and the witness of a bunch of crazy sold-out Jesus followers in 2023 using everything they had to be radically generous to those around them in need. <laughs> That'd be a powerful witness and testimony, right? Yeah, but John, like, uh, Honda just came out with this really cool electric car that I need. Do you? <laughs> need, right? I, I, can't, I can't tell you what your enough is, right? I can't, nobody can tell you what your enough is. That's between you and the spirit. But, man, what if we just, yeah, I got enough. And I keep lowering that enough so that others can have enough. They gathered together and shared all they had, caring for those in need. That's good news, right? That's good news. That's good news. And the, and the early disciples, man, they chose to live, live this way. They live this way because it's the type of life that they saw embodied and reflected in Jesus. And they saw it over and over again, the way that Jesus just poured out this radical generosity of, of, of all of himself when he didn't have to. 
right? He didn't have to. He was king of kings, lord of lords. He, he could have done anything he wanted, but instead he chose to pour it all out. This, this idea of this generous, limitless love and grace and mercy and, and, and just pouring out power and provision and protection. Like, do, do we see this? Like when we look at scripture, when we look at Jesus, do we see that in Jesus, right? Do, do we see that? Do, do we believe this? Like is, is that what we see in Jesus? Do we, do we live this? Like it, because it really, um, it matters how we see Jesus because how we see Jesus is how we will see the world. That is the lens through which, the glasses through which I see the world, right? He is the fullness of God, right? We see that in Colossians, right? He is the fullness of the deity of God. So that I'm, I'm going to look at scripture through Jesus. I'm going to look at the world through Jesus. I'm going to put my Jesus lenses on and go, do I see Jesus and how he interacted with the world? Am I trying and striving towards that? We see this on full display in, uh, in John chapter 4. If you brought your Bibles, man, now would be your time to get your Bible out or get your phone out in John chapter 4. I'm going to start right at verse 1. Uh, like we see this in John chapter 4. Like in, 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 in here in this ministry, we see that Jesus, um, you know, he, he's on the scene. His ministry is starting to grow, this, his ministry on earth. It's starting to grow. It's actually starting to be a little more, uh, a little more popular than John the Baptist's ministry, and that's turning some heads and causing some waves because there was a lot of folks that were all about John the Baptist, and then Jesus shows up, and they're like, "Whoa, should we follow John or should we follow Jesus?" Right? So you've got some infighting already between two Jesus people, right? That never happens, right? And so, like, you've got this crazy stuff going on, and Jesus's ministry is growing. And, and, and actually is growing so much so that the religious leaders of the time, the Pharisees, they're looking at Jesus' ministry and they don't, I don't think we like this, right? The, the, the religious leaders are starting to press in a little bit. Like, I don't know if we like this, what's happening with this Jesus guy. Another way to say it is that Jesus is, it, it, he's starting to get some heat, right? He's starting to get some heat for the things that he's doing because it, it's disrupting the status quo, Right, And everybody knows that, that those in power, they don't like when the status quo is being messed with. And so the heat is on Jesus. But it's not time, if you know your Bible, right, it's not time for Jesus to totally like flip the tables and disrupt the power structure within the religious structure. Right, It's not time yet. And so Jesus, he steps away and he heads out of town and he goes to an area called Galilee. And so Jesus, he's on his way to Galilee, and, uh, and, and, and to do that, you would typically like head this way. As a good Jewish person, they had a worn-out path to go around a certain area because that was a certain area like across the tracks that nobody went to. So you wouldn't go into that neighborhood. So Jesus, you know, his, his disciples are like, Jesus, this is the, the way you get to Galilee. And instead, Jesus decides to go through an area called Samaria. And, and, and some of you may not know, and that's cool, uh, this is not a normal place for a good Jewish person to go to, Samaria. Uh, there's a serious history and, and a racial tension between Jews and Samaritans. It, it, it's generations deep. 
And you're like, and, and like Jews, would, they literally would go out of their way, even though a straight shot would be quicker, they would go out of their way to not go through Samaria. Centuries before this moment where Jesus is going to Galilee, centuries before there's this, there's this war and these battles, you know, the, the nation of Israel split between north and south. And the northern kingdom of Israel is defeated by the Assyrians. And so the Assyrians, they bring in people to help settle the land and, and bring about peace in the northern uh, part of the kingdom. And, and then in time, these Assyrians and these foreigners, well, they start, like, you know, uh, cohabitating, if you know what I mean, because there's kids in the room, uh, with, with the Jews that were left behind, Right? And so you had the Assyrians and, and the, the remnant of the, of the Jewish people in the northern part of, of Israel. And, and they start cohabitating and create a, a new race, a, a mixed race of Samaritans. And this mixed race was seen as less than and they were hated by pure blood Jews. They were half-bloods. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate it. So the fact that Jesus is going to make a point to go through Samaria is surprising to say the least. Because a lot of times the path through Samaria for a Jew would mean you're going to get robbed, you're going to get beat up, you're going to get killed, right? And Jesus makes it a point, I'm going through Samaria, even though there's this centuries-old tradition of hate and tension. But John 4, 4 says something really incredible when you dig into the original language. It says he had to go through Samaria. Had to. That's the word that jumped out to me. Uh, had to in the original Greek. It was the word adai, it, which translates to divine necessity. It was a divine necessity for Jesus to go this way. Have you ever had to do something that didn't make sense, right? Only later to find out that it actually really made sense, right? You know what I mean? Like at first you're like, why in the world am I? And then fill in the blank, right? And then later you're like, oh my gosh, if I wouldn't have done that, then this would, oh my gosh, right? Right? Sometimes the thing that doesn't make sense in the moment is actually a divine invitation into something that we didn't see yet because God's still working, Right? So what was the divine necessity? Why was there a divine appointment waiting for Jesus to go through Samaria? Well, everybody say, he had to see about a woman. <laughs> it's always about a woman, isn't it? I mean, my goodness. So John 4, 4, it says this, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakar. Near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Yes, this is the uh, Joseph in the amazing Technicolor dream coat kind of Joseph, right? That's that story, right? So Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired from the long walk. I love the humanity right here that it's giving us. That Jesus had this. He, he was God. Yes, fully God, but he was fully human. He was tired. Anybody ever get tired? Oh, hallelujah, I felt that. that. That's from deep within the soul. Come on, my soul. You got a lion inside of you. This, he was tired. And so he sat wearily. I love that Jesus was weary sometimes. He sat wearily beside the well, and it was about noontime. Everybody say noontime. What's up? Hey, man. 
That's my boy. I can, I can say hey to Julian. That's my boy. I won't call all of you out when you come in late. It's cool. That's just, that's my boy. Noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman, uh, she came to draw water. Uh-oh. We got a Jew. Now you got a Samaritan woman. And Jesus doesn't get up and leave. Jesus doesn't, like, check out. He leans in. He says, hey, uh, please uh, give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because his disciples, I love this. Julian, you love this. He was alone because his boys had gone into the village to get some food. They were hungry. Jesus, you're good. <laughs> you're in a region that is hostile. <laughs> so we're going to leave you alone because we're hungry. <laughs> Sometimes his, his friends didn't always get the big picture. Uh, and the woman was surprised by this and so because Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. And so the woman says to Jesus, hey, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Now, uh, let's learn some stuff about this woman from what we can glean from the text. Uh, first, uh, she doesn't have a name, and I think that's disrespectful. But, friends, I, I want you to understand that in antiquity, in Jesus' day, women had zero respect. No value. Jewish men would pray a prayer every single day, and here was the prayer. Abba, Father. Thank you for not making me a heathen. Thank you for not making me a slave. Thank you for not making me a woman. That was, that, that's, the, that's the culture we're stepping into. That's where we're at. Just despise this man. Jewish men, Jewish women, even if you're married, you would not in public engage with each other. Like, that's the culture we're in right now, right? So she doesn't get a name. I don't like that. And so uh, for this little moment in conversation, can we give our friend, the Samaritan woman, a name? Is that cool? Offer her some dignity. Thank you, ladies. All right, so give me a female name that starts with S. Sam Samantha, Sarah. I, I mean, I, I, Sarah. I'll go with Sarah. Oh, I like Stella. Who said Stella? That's a good one. Stella! For those of you that know that movie, we almost named Isabel Stella. So, yeah, anyway. I'll, I'll go with Stella. That, thank you. I, that's cool. All right. So, uh, Stella. All right. So, Stella, she's coming out at noontime to a well to get some water. Why is she coming out at noontime? It's by herself. Um, listen, the only reason you would go to a well in the middle of the day in a hot climate is so that nobody else would be there. Because you're ashamed to be seen in public. Not only is she ashamed, she's been shamed. Because Stella has made some choices in her life that were not healthy. They were unhealthy choices, and unhealthy choices always come with consequences. And so she has been living in this reality of shame and ashamed because uh, Stella, let's just call it what it was from the text, she was a little thirsty, okay? Like in an urban dictionary, you know what I mean? Some of the younger generation, like, they're like, yeah. Some of the older is like, I don't know what you mean. 
It's okay. Look it up. It's cool. It's cool. Look it up. I'm not going to be, you know, you know vulgar. Uh, she, she's been a little too eager to, uh, to get some things, uh, relationships or intimacy or compliments or attention or validation, thirsty. But Jesus, <laughs> this is nuts. Jesus sits by this well, goes where no Jewish man, let alone a good rabbi, should go by himself. Because his boys like were hungry and they went to La Rosa's to get some food, right? And, and, and Jesus, he's waiting for a woman because this woman is his divine appointment. This is the, the divine necessity. He's going to use this moment at this well with this woman to show all of us what being radically generous with everything looks like. He goes to, to this well, right? He's going to change this woman's life. And he's going to invite her into his kingdom mission, even though she lived a life that most good religious people would condemn, right? And isn't it good news that our purpose and potential isn't based on our, the perfection of our past? I'm going to say this again for all the sleepy people. Isn't it good news? That our purpose and potential isn't based on the perfection of our past. Plain speak, your <laughs> right now does not define your not yet. Things can change. And for some of you thinking that things will never change, let me speak a word over your life. Things can change. Jesus can change everything. Uh, so Jesus, he, he sees Stella at the well, and, and he knows that he's about to turn this, you know, woman's life upside down. But, you know, like he doesn't want to come on too strong, right, you know. So he keeps it all chill, right, big chill, right. And, and he's like, hey, girl. You think Jesus was smooth, you know what I mean? He had some swagger, that's what I'm hearing from up here. That's a different translation of the Bible. He's like, can I have a drink? And she didn't know what to do with this approach from a, from a Jewish guy, let alone a rabbi. And so, and so she like gets all deep, right, and she tries to, to deflect, right, because that's what we do when God starts to speak into a place of our lives that we don't want him to go. We deflect. Come on, right? Come on, honest people, right? You ever do that? God's trying to like, hey, I need to talk to you about something. Ah, I'm busy right now, Jesus. Why are you talking to me? Why are you asking me for a drink? Listen, we all got some stuff. We all got stuff in our lives. Every single person, every single one of us is all wrestling with something, right? And if we're being really honest with each other, we all got stuff in our lives that we don't want God speaking into. That's the area of our lives where darkness has corrupted our hearts, where sin has crept in and limited us from becoming who God created us to be. It's not a question of if we got stuff, if, if we've sinned. It's a question of do you know that you can be made right? Do you know that you can be made right, that you can be restored? 
Romans 3.22, it says, like, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Christ Jesus. And this is true for who? Everyone who believes, no matter who we are, for everyone has sin. Everyone? Everyone. Everybody say it again. Mm, that's interesting. We all fall short of God's glorious standard, yet God in his grace. Thank God for the yet gods and but gods in the Bible. Right? Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Our friend Stella from Samaria, she's got some stuff in her life that she doesn't believe can be made right. And Jesus is trying to get at that. He's trying to say, no, I don't care about the drink. I'm really not here for the drink, girl. Like Jesus is trying to set her free. He's trying to invite her into a limitless relationship with him that will unlock and unleash her kingdom potential. But Stella, she can't see all that yet, so she deflects, and she doesn't want to deal with that, so she deflects. And she's all like, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink, right? In other words, go talk to somebody else. I've got enough on my plate right now. Anybody else relate? i got enough going on. Go talk to, I'm just trying to, to get me some water. I can't come to the well when it's cool outside in the morning or in the evening. I got to come when it's hot because I'm tired of people talking about me. I'm tired of putting up with the nonsense and the ridicule from others. And now I got this guy. I don't even know this guy, but he's like, hey, I'm thirsty. Give me a drink. And I'm just trying to, like, take my bucket, right, and just take my bucket so I can get some water, Right? So I, so I can just get on with myself, so I can just get on with my miserable life because this is just how it's going to be. Fed up. Frustrated. Desperate. Taking my bucket, I'm going home. Anybody ever feel this way? Anybody ever go through some seasons where it's just like, I'm so... We all got a bucket. Every single one of us, we all got a bucket. So the question remains, where do you take your bucket to get your fill? We all do it. And we all got it. But like where do you take your bucket, you know? Like I'm just going to I'm just going to dip this bucket down in here. Make me feel a little better right now. I'm also get a little taste. I'm gonna get a little taste. I'm gonna dip my bucket in. See, where you go to get your fill determines whether or not your soul will actually be quenched. What well are you going to to get your fill? Really? And, and, and here's what's crazy, right? Because some of you may be like, well, I do, I, I do have a bucket. I use it for cleaning. Um, that's very literal. Uh, thank you. 
Uh, or some of you may be like, yeah, uh, I got a bucket, but you know, John, I don't, I don't go to like those unhealthy places, right? I don't, I don't go to those places that say you've gone to, John. Like, I don't, I don't do those things, right? I, I'm a good Christian. I, I take my bucket and I go over to this thing over here for uh, 75 minutes on a Sunday, 90 if he's long-winded, and uh, and sometimes I go to a small group to do a little studying, and I and I take my bucket and. I get my fill, and uh, now I have something to pour out uh, for, uh, for all the good, good things going on in my life, and my bucket's empty. What do I do? My bucket's empty. It's Monday, and my bucket's empty, and I need a, I need, I need a word from the pastor to get me through the week. What, what do I do? Like, see, what the pandemic showed a lot of us is that we didn't know how to fill our own buckets, the, the, the building shut down. What do I do? My, I can't get, I can't, where do I, it's not just going to unhealthy places. It's thinking that I got to go to this. Somebody else has got a well. well. We'll get back to what Jesus is going to teach us in a second. I just want you to see it's not about unhealthy things. You can take your bucket to what is actually healthy things and still be missing the mark. What do I mean? Well, Pastor John will show you. So um, if you dig deep in your honesty, I want you to think about where you go to get your fill. Your fill for validation, your fill for acceptance. Like the, the really deep, raw answer. Like it's 2 o'clock in the morning and you are stressed out, sexed out, burned out, broken down. Where are you taking your bucket? What well are you going to? Like in the morning, I'm just going to get up. I'm going to hit that gym, right? Uh, ladies, guys, like I see you. I know you. I love you. Like I'm going to hit that gym, right? Because if I can just get one more rep in, if I can just get, you know, these things to go away, if I can look a certain way, if I can get this toned or shaped, then they'll love me. Then I'll be attractive. Then I'll be worth seeing. And then I'll be worth being somebody to be desired if I can just get one more. So I'm going to go to the well of the gym. Or, or, or I, I, I'm going to go to TikTok. Sorry, not sorry. I'm going to go. And if I can just post this. This one video and this dance, and if I can just get enough likes and enough shares, then I'll feel validated and accepted. Or, or you know, I'm, if at the office, I'm just going to grind as hard as I can. I'm going to keep killing myself and keep killing myself and keep going after it because then I'll be seen as a, as a leader that's worthy of following. Then I'll, I'll prove to my dad that I'm not a failure. Or, or maybe it's you go to your neighbor and you go to your best friend and you just gossip and you just get it out and you just talk and just talk and just talk and talk behind people's backs and talk behind people's backs and cause division and cause division and you just keep going behind the person so that you can feel not so miserable about yourself. You keep going and taking your bucket to someplace other than Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can bring you validation and acceptance that your soul is desperate for. He's the only one. We got to stop taking our busted buckets to broken wells. We got to put the bucket down, right? And so Jesus, uh, let's get back to Jesus. Jesus, uh, you know, he, 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 he says to, to Stella, right, he's like, hey, I need a drink. And she's all like, why are you talking to me? In verse 10, Jesus replies like, if you only knew 
Whitewater, if you only knew. Claude, if you only knew. Pam, if you only knew. Jessica, if you only knew. Stan, if you only knew. Doctor, if you only knew. Julian, if you only knew. Andrea, if you only knew the gift that God has for you. And who was speaking to you? You would ask me. And I would give you living water. <laughs> like us. She shows a beautiful humanity of just not getting it. She's like, but sir, you don't have a bucket. <laughs> how would you give me this living water? Yeah, how, how would you give me something? You, you don't have what it takes to do it. You, 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 and then she says, but this well, you know that Jacob, you know one of our forefathers generations ago, that we stand upon, like he dug this well, and it's been given out water for generations to all his sons and, and, and the 12 tribes and all their cattle. That's more in the story. And you're telling me that the water you're going to give is better than Jacob's well? Yeah, she, she, she don't get it. Verse 13, Jesus replies, uh, anybody who drinks from this water, it's good water. It, it's been doing some good things. But anybody who drinks from this water, friends, they will soon be thirsty again. But those of you who drink the water that I will give, that Jesus gives, will never be thirsty again. Because it becomes a fresh, bubbling spring. Where? Within. Giving eternal life. And she's like, sir, please, like, please give me this water. Give me that water, right? I, I, don't, I don't ever want to be thirsty again, and I won't have to come to, 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 get, to, to get water from this well, right? You can hear, like, the excitement. Please, sir, like, give me this water. You can, you can hear the desperation. She's just hungry for something real. She's not hungry for light. She's not hungry for big rooms and fog and haze. She's not hungry for a spectacle. She's not hungry for pithy phrases like your breakdown will lead to your breakthrough. She's just hungry for Jesus, for something that will validate her existence. She's like, give me this water so, so I don't have to keep making this trek to the well, so, so I don't have to keep making this walk of shame, so I don't have to keep killing myself at the, at the office, so I don't have to keep sexting this guy, so I don't have to keep looking at others for my validation and value, so, so that I don't have to be so thirsty. And Jesus is like, okay, cool. Um, I, I can do that for you. That's great. Um, but first, let's keep things like, you know, right. Um, go and get your husband. And then, and then she's all like, uh, I, I don't, I, I, see what happened was, Jesus, <laughs> um, I, I don't have a husband. The woman replied. <laughs> you know, which is true, but it's not the whole truth. You know how you do? You know how you send that text message that was like part of the truth? Or you tell that story to your husband that it was like kind of true? but the great sin of omission, right? 
He's like, you're right, woman. What's he says, right? You're right. You don't have a husband. You have five husbands. And you aren't even married to the man that you're shacking up with now. You have certainly spoke the truth. See, Jesus is trying to tell her, before you can move forward, you've got to be honest with where you've been. We get to that point in other circles where you say, I've got to, like, just be honest that I am helpless. And I need something bigger than me to help me. I'm going to do a fearless moral inventory. It's, in churchy words, it's repent and confess. It's time to fess up and own up, to turn from old patterns of unhealth and turn to Jesus so that we can be set free. And it's an invitation to who? To everyone. To get to that place where we invite Jesus into the dark places of our heart so he can shine a light in the dark. So he can break the chains that are holding us back from becoming who he created us to be. We've got to invite if we want to actually experience that true, abundant, full, free life We've got to invite Jesus and his people in to the real us, the messy us. And Jesus is saying, like, hey, stop hiding. Stop putting on the facade like you've got it all together. Stop, stop taking your bucket and acting like, oh, I'm good. I take my bucket over here, and if I just take my bucket over here, and if I make sure that enough people see me on Sundays, and, and I say it enough of like, thank you, nice to see you, and if I give group and serve, and then, then they'll think that I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good, but inside, I'm just a mess. I'm a mess. I've just gotten any point, I'm just about to break down. But as long as I put up this. See, anybody who grew up below the poverty line, where are my people at, right? If you grew up below the poverty line, we ain't got the luxury of, like, all the niceties of picket fences to hide our junk, right? So it's just kind of out there, and we're like, yo, look at that, people. But when you got the luxury of, like, some stuff and some money and some coin, it's, like, it's a lot easier to, like, put up all the good things and go, we're good, neighbor. But I'm pretty sure we just read that everyone has sinned, right? That we all fall short. It's time to be real honest with who we really are so that we can really move forward. That strongholds are torn down and broken. That all proud obstacles are torn down. Uh, Stella's whole life is turned upside down, right? Stella, with all that she's done, it's radically flipped upside down because Jesus showed up for the real her. He knew all about her. And he still showed up. And he chooses to give her like this generous, radical, nonstop, unlimited supply of his goodness and mercy. Verse 19, 
After, like, Jesus reads her diary and reads her text messages and emails, right? You ever feel that way? We're like, man, did you read my mail? Oh, what? How do you know that? Right? That's how she's feeling, right? And so she's like, sir, you must be a prophet. Right? Like, she's like, I know the Messiah is coming, like the one who is called the Christ. And, and when he comes, he can explain everything to us. And then Jesus turns to her and says, I am the Messiah. Julian, can you imagine this moment? This woman who has just lived with all of this shame and gotten used to being ridiculed and shamed and embarrassed, how, how do I hide and protect my bucket? Because I just can't take anymore. Being rejected. And Jesus just looks at her. I know. Stop. I know. You're not hearing me. I know. I know everything. And I still choose you. You are my divine appointment. You are worth it all. And in this moment, to this woman, he reveals that he is the Messiah the first time he shares this. To this woman. Think about that. Generations have been waiting to hear the Messiah is back. Generations of waiting to hear that the king is going to come and the king is back and he's going to reconcile everything, right? He's going to restore all things. And he chooses this woman with all her stuff to be the one that she's going to hear it first. To hear the greatest news the world will ever hear. He didn't hold a press conference. He didn't pick the top 40 under 40. You, you know how you see those articles, you know what I mean? Like, I'm on the top 40 under 40 list, baby. Come on, right? He didn't pick the top 40 most influential leaders. He didn't pick the top 40 fastest growing churches in the, in the United States. He didn't pick any of that stuff. He chose this woman. He chooses the woman who knows exactly how less than she is, who has walked with shame day after day, coming to this well, and he chooses her. He chooses the person who has lived with being the least and elevates her to being the greatest. That's what he does in his kingdom. Praise God for that. And I wish I could have seen her face, right? I wish I could have seen her face when this happened. Right, verse 28, 
right? The woman hears this and then like she like leaves her jug, her bucket beside the well and she runs back to her village and she's telling everybody what just happened and she's like, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. And could he possibly be the Messiah? And, and so people came streaming in from the village to see him and when they came out to see him, they begged Jesus to stay in the village and, and he stayed for two days long enough for many more people to hear his message and believe there's a revival happening because of this woman. Do you understand? She was just hungry and desperate enough for him and nothing else and revival sparked. Friends, that's the formula for revival. She was hungry, desperate. And so she went and told everybody. She's the first evangelist in the region, right? A woman, right? She goes out and tells everybody. And then a whole lot of people then come to Jesus and they believe, right? And, and, then, and then the beauty of this moment is that the same town, the same group of people that have been ridiculing and shaming and neglecting this woman, they now turn to her and they say, now we believe not just because of what you told us, not just because now that we would finally listen to you. And then we saw it for ourselves. Now we know indeed that that man, Jesus, is the savior of the world. We don't have to go to a well. We don't have to go to a mountain. We don't have to go to a temple. We just got to go to Jesus. Sarah, she, she came to the well thirsty, right, with a bucket. Maybe you came today thirsty with a bucket. But after meeting Jesus, she left her bucket and ran to tell everyone she could because she didn't need a bucket anymore because she was the bucket. We are the bucket. That's what he's trying to get it. He's trying to say, no, I can pour it into you. You are the bucket. You can take this message to everywhere. She used to walk with shame and now she's running with a savior. Friends, go and do the same. Go and do the same. Go and tell the world. Jesus is limitless. His generosity is limitless. His love is limitless. Is ours.
unlimited supply. You don't have to live in a spirit of fear and timidity, but one of power, love, self-control. When we limit Jesus, we limit our love. When we limit Jesus, we limit our lives. When we put him in a bucket, I got my Jesus bucket. As long as I got my Jesus bucket and it's full of Jesus, then I'm okay. It's out here, right? Limited supply. While supplies last. Jesus is in a bucket. On sale now for $12.99 at Kroger. And I can give away everything in the bucket. It's not a very generous life. It's not a kingdom life. And it's not the abundant life that Jesus died to give all of us. This moment at this well was a moment that was divine, a divine necessity. He died. He had to go to this well, to this woman, to set the record straight of who he was and what he came to do. His words, I have come to seek and save the lost. I have come to not call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I have come to bring good news to the poor, to give sight to the blind, to set the oppressed free and bring freedom to the prisoner. Jesus wasn't going to the well for a drink. This was a divine setup. Once and for all, to let the world know, all you have to do is choose me because I already chose you. He gave everything he gave everything for you. Will we give everything for him? So, Father, we come before you right now, and I'm praying that there is a moment, a come to Jesus at the well moment for every single one of us where we confess, we repent, we turn, we own up and fess up and we choose a new direction with you to live a generous, abundant life with all that we have. Break every stronghold. Tear down every proud obstacle. And let us be a holy, chosen people reflecting you and your love. It's in your name that all God's people said, amen.